Dork. It's a show. Sorry, I was trying something. <laughs> I was trying something new to like be an avant-garde podcast and not have the same thing every time. Please, David, this is a Pitchfork podcast, not a Tiny Mixtapes podcast. <laughs> yeah, even though a contributor to Tiny Mixtapes just followed us on Twitter. That's pretty cool. I hope he listens to the podcast. That'd be nice. Um, this is a podcast about media, power, PR, and the Pitchfork Media Hype Machine. It's called Tuning Forks Needed. Nice. Your name's David. My name's Matt. Yeah. Those are our names, and this is our first episode where we're kind of getting back to our roots of just yelling at each other constantly for the last 12 years about music. We don't have a guest this time. Yeah, there's no guest here, which I don't know how that's going to work rhythm-wise. We're we're used to having another person to bounce off of, especially because whenever we have a guest, they tend to do the lion's share of of the work. I do, I do have a guest who, uh, who you've introduced a couple of times on the show, uh, though, with me, and that's Podcast Beeb. Oh, oh, I also have Podcast Beeb. Uh, mine is uh, a Saugatuck Brewing Company Neapolitan milk, milk Stout. Uh, yeah, I'm drinking a fucking Molson Canadian because there's a bunch still in my fridge. That's totally valid. It's we, a perfectly acceptable shitty beer. Yeah. Sometimes you I, just I'm, drink a shitty I'm beer. Running, I'm running low on, on any beer at all, and this is one that we had to drive to Wisconsin to get, so I'm I'm uh, drinking it slowly. Yeah. How far a drive is Wisconsin from where you are? From the Twin Cities, it's about a half hour drive. Oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah. It's we're, like we're here on to Toronto. The, yeah. We're on the pretty eastern side of the state. Okay. Everything, states are so small. They are. They're not nearly as big as provinces. Yeah, if you drive west and, like, go through Sault Ste. Marie and then continue through the states, you will get to the Twin Cities faster than if you just try to drive west out of Ontario. I can't say I've ever driven through Sault Ste. McSweeney, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about an album today which seems unlikely for Pitchfork to ever review something like this again. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, and it's basically like, you can really tell that this album's positive review was very, very indebted to the specific reviewer. Yeah. I don't know if their editorial oversight on scores was different at this point, because I know that their their scores are editorially based, generally. Yeah. Because, like, so... I could see, given the enthusiasm of the review, I could have seen um, the the reviewer giving it, like, a 10. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think there's anything negative said in this review. Um, this album is Spider-Man of the Rings by Dan Deacon. Yeah, it is like, it's such an, it's, it is a fundamentally annoying album. <laughs> Which, <I think> the- <laughs> for Dan Deacon, for Dan Deacon at the time, it was his least annoying album to date. Yeah, no, no, for <laughs> because sure. Because before this, I think uh, he released a couple of EPs that were vaguely melodic and then before that, it was all just his art school shit. Yeah. I think I think Twacky Cats has the closest things to normal songs on it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, this was his, de- this was his like, it's not even his debut album, because some of those earlier projects were albums. But it's like his first major label release. Yeah. Because everything was free MP3s. Uh, it was on, on Car Park. Car Park, yeah. He's still with Car Park as far as I know, isn't he? No, no, he switched. He's on Domino. He's Domino now. He's been Domino since America, I think. Yeah, he's a he's a big famous boy now. Yeah, I like Car Park. They're a, good, they're a good label, though. Yeah, 
Beach House was on with them uh, at the same time, I think. Oh, nice. Um, um, the review yeah. uh, gave it an 8.7. Yep. 8.7 Best New Music uh, reviews by Just Harville. Yeah, not Just Harnell, the voice of Wacko from Animaniacs. <laughs> and yeah, the, the review very much covers that um, Spider-Man of the Rings, its central track, and like everything about Dan Deacon is very steeped in like the DIY Baltimore electronic scene. And uh, that's become even more apparent over the years as, like, there's been, like, Wham City comedy tours and stuff like that. Like, this is all, like, just a group of creatives that do a lot of stuff together. Yeah, Wham City comedy and, like, Alan Tutorial, for example. Yeah, yeah. God, Alan Resnick. Absolute legend. A horror series which was basically made for no money at all. I mean, yeah, given (laughs) given some of those videos. The budget for one of them was a Dr. Pepper can and a board of wood. (laughs) Yeah, and and a and a battery drill, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So like the the review gets into the um, the scene around it and how there was like people would go and they would just dance like crazy, and that's basically the one thing that you were guaranteed at a Dan Deacon show. Even if you are the most like stand at the back with your arms crossed kind of person, you are moving. Yeah, regardless of whether you want to or not, there are dance competitions. Happen. There are, are flashing lights. Yeah, and it's like, it's so unlike the kind of, uh, the club music that was going around at the time. The way I said club music made me sound like I was 100 years old. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, the, it is the very... The electronica music? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of more modern electronic music owes a lot more to Dan Deacon's style of music. Because I think oh, yeah. um, electronic music is a lot more willing to be annoying. Yeah, I feel like... Uh... I feel like uh, the like broy version of uh, dubstep helped with that. Yeah, that helped um, a lot too. With with Skrillex and all those guys. With the weeble um, wobbles and the drops and whatnot. And the wub wubs. Um, and the and the weeble and bobs. <laughs> Did you ever go to uh, a Dan Deacon show while he was still performing in the in the audience pit? No, he's always been on the stage as I've seen him. Okay, yeah. Which is a the, shame. The very first time that I uh, that I saw Dan Deacon, uh, he was an opener for Girl Talk. Uh, this was works. a show wow, in two thousand seven. Uh, I think I think this album had come out by the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have really been interested. Yeah, but uh, this came out. In I May. think they were. Yeah, they were giving out promo promotional free tickets on my college campus, oh, and yeah. so I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, I'll go." And it was it. The, he was one of three openers for Girl Talk. It was him, Tay Zonde. Oh my uh, god! And the show is the Rainbow. D- didn't Tay Zonde like work at the University of Minnesota at that time? I think so. I think I'm pretty was, sure he was a TA, uh, uh, an American Studies teaching assistant. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure our mutual friend Matt uh, knew at least knew him vaguely at the yeah, time as an acquaintance. That's so good that he was part of that show. <laughs> Yeah. on Day, by the way, still releasing music in, in this the year of our Lord 2019. Yeah, he just released a song about how the economy works, and it's terrifying. Yeah, and the song also itself slaps. It does. Um, yeah, so the the energy levels in that show, because they gave out so many promotional tickets, it was completely packed to the walls and like up the mm-hmm. stairs and not fire safe at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think Dan had to end his set early because... There was like water being thrown around the crowd and it was getting on his electronics, which at the time were notoriously flimsy because I think he got a few of them out of dumpsters. Yeah, no, he definitely had some stuff out of the garbage. 
Yeah. And I think he like like he's he's modernized his table a little bit. Like he um as far as I can tell from seeing his live shows, a lot of it is like basically attached to together and he doesn't have to like re-rig the whole set every time. Yeah, a lot which of it is, is nice. Effectively just a pedal board that he puts up on uh on table legs. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, there's like a vocoder when... and uh like a phase modulator and stuff like that. Yeah. I know that um one of the times I saw him, I kind of just was like waiting outside the venue after afterwards to try to like get a, a signed CD and say hi and whatnot. And I just kind of walked back into the venue after a while because he was in there for a while. And he was like packing up individual segments of the table into suitcases. <laughs> and at one point he's like, hey, can you, uh, I'll sign this for you. Can you just go get that suitcase? And I brought the suitcase up to him. And when I got the CD back from him, it said, thanks for getting the suitcase, Dan. <laughs> So that is what is signed on my uh, CD copy of Spider-Man of the Rings. Yeah, I've uh, do you own the vinyl? I've got the CD. I've got the CD, and I've got the cassette version that has Ultimate Reality soundtrack on the other side. Oh, oh sick! Um, but I don't have I don't have the vinyl. Is this the first episode where neither nobody has had the vinyl? Yeah, it might be. Because um, I'm pretty sure Trevor at least had the vinyl of uh, the Bell and Sebastian the Bell album. And Sebastian, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think oh, either no, of us did. Nobody owns Lulu. That's fair. Nobody owns Lulu. <laughs> no, uh, even the people who like it don't own yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think they just did. They they done a reissue of this album on vinyl, but I think it was a vinyl me please thing. Yeah, which I, think you I feel might like be I've right. talked about my distaste of vinyl subscription services before. Fuck yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. You you get a, you end up getting a lot of stuff that nobody asked for. Yeah, and then like you know this this I'd have to be subscribed to this service for the ability to purchase the vinyl at full price. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, um, it's like so, it's like that person who set up the Patreon for uh, giving out links to things that they found on the internet. <laughs> the um, the review gets into like um, some pretty colorful descriptions of how the show sounded. So what came out of the PA was a barrage of cheap-sounding, rainbow-hued, breakcore tempo electronic noise. It felt yeah, like I was tracks. hearing. It felt like I was hearing my entire childhood record collection of cheerful kitty forty-fives sped up on a hot-rotted Fisher Price record player. Did you ever have any uh, any like children's uh, cassettes or records when you were little? We had a lot of cassettes. We had a, a good number of cassettes. I think we had like some Barney cassettes. We definitely had some Sharon Lois and Bram cassettes. Um, yeah, I, I think I had uh, I had a, like two or three Raffi tapes, um, and then I had a couple of uh, a, a couple of records that were actually my parents when they were little. Um, yeah, they were they were like the Mister Pickwick uh, brand uh, of records that nice. were designed for like kids storytelling, and uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> I think playing those at high speed probably would have uh, created a similar atmosphere to this. It's like I kind of want to make like um, I've always like every time I see Dan Deacon's table, I just get really inspired to just create some kind of weird electronic mess where I just, you know, attach a bunch of things to each other to some speakers and see what the fuck comes out of it. Um, yeah. And I feel like a record player playing children's records in the dead center would be a really good centerpiece to the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, play play like the old old promotional General Motors hockey vinyl that I have, <laughs> and just have that looping. Yeah, you should sample that into your MIDI fighter and do something with it. <laughs> yeah, it has an English and a French version. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> and yeah, Les so he says, 
<laughs> he said he, he also made me a fan for life. A small handful of the grouches stood with incredulous arms folded across their chests, and everyone else proceeded to freak the fuck out. Almost as wildly as Deegan himself. Welcome to Baltimore. There you go. There you have it. And with Baltimore, we enter into our first track. Yeah, do you say do you say the, the name of this track Woody Woodpecker or Woody Woodpecker? The second, obviously. <laughs> Woodpecker. Yeah. You can't say it normal. <laughs> yeah. So as, as the review states, uh, they just kind of he, he just kind of uh, puts together everything that is possibly alienating about himself and his sound at the very start of the album. Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine a Pitchfork reviewer now getting through this song, let alone the album. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it's it's uh it's really like. If you if you think about it, it's like a really epic, like sweeping soundtracky song. Yeah, like the Dan Deacon's very good at his crescendos, and oh, yeah. this song builds very very well. So there's the the Woody Woodpecker laugh that is in the center. That's in the center. That's the central point of the track. It's sped up a little bit and thus like pitched up a little bit, and it repeats. And then every once, every couple of bars, they have a repeating, like lower pitched version of the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and then that is; those are the two main things that build up the track. But then they also have some synths that basically are trying to, like, almost like they're harmonizing with the laughter, and they're also building the whole time. And then when it starts getting to like double kick drums, yeah, like it gets huge. This track should not be huge. <laughs> it's like a ridiculous concept that you'd knock out an audacity in an afternoon, and yet it's made into, like, this big sweeping, like, building piece. And then, like, yeah, it has, like, a breakdown section, it builds right back up again, and then it just stops. I want to see, like, a prog rock band try to cover this song on traditional instruments. How would you do the laugh? I don't think a person <laughs> could do that for three and a half minutes. Yeah, it, it might be tough. You might have to, to get some loop pedals in there somehow. Yeah, no, yeah, that would probably just be the best way to do it is just to do the the laugh once and then loop it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure that uh, that tune yards could figure it out. Yeah, probably. And yeah, the um, uh, <laughs> the the review also has this line: "It's like Deacon's switch got stuck somewhere between irritate and captivate, and he decided to never bother fixing it." <laughs> I would say that he I... basically he doesn't really go that line as much in newer albums. No, I don't think so. Like, there, um, like in in Bromst, there's a couple of moments like that, like but, Red F. Yeah, like Red F. Um, but after maybe a that, little bit of the chorus really on Paddling lot. Ghost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like America's very straightforward. Like the the latter half of the album is also is is basically just a long instrumental piece, and it's very it's very good, but it's very straightforward. Yeah, like Rail is just a uh, is just like a piece for uh, player piano and horns. Yeah. And yeah, the fact that he started, you know, building more actual instruments into his uh, his music definitely changed some of the tones of his sound a lot. Yeah, this album is basically just entirely cheap electronics. Yeah, there's, I, I doubt there's a single, like, real 
instrument on the whole thing. Yeah, like, I don't think so. Because, like, he, he wasn't even using, like, the Video Hippos guys as his drummers on this tour. Like, he didn't get them till the Bronx tour. Yeah, which, uh, which I can... I can I can talk about uh, the time when I uh, saw the Bromst ensemble, but maybe we should go through at least one more song first. Yeah, I mean we get to the single after this. We do. It's time for the Crystal Cat, baby. So this is the uh, the first song on the album that actually has lyrics, which you can't tell what he's saying because it's so fast and uh, and pitch shifted. But um, but there are words here. I mean, he has he's singing in his normal register for the uh, for the for the verses. Yeah, it's really low in the mix, uh, but yeah. you you can hear what his voice sounds like here. And uh, let's just let's have a little look at these lyrics. Gonna get my bathing suit on, gonna get my base face on, gonna get my hat out of loan, gonna get my space face on, I'm gonna turn my snakes, gonna turn all snakes into bone, go wishing the stone, keep the crystal cat cold, gotta get the throne. Hope my baby, may we meet a beast man. Hold us there, happy but by one hand. Is he jerking it? Yeah, he might Is be jerking it. Is he happy but by one hand? <laughs> anyway, um, Dan Deacon does have lyrics that make sense in some songs but i don't think any of them are on this album other than mm. like the latter half of wham city yeah we'll get to that um yeah these these are these are like th- these are about as meaningful as like odile era beck lyrics yeah <laughs> he's just it's, like saying things mm-hmm. it's it's more like he's it really he really is just using his voice as an instrument on this yeah especially because like you, you think he's, he's not really committing to using his voice in the verses. It's just like, he's kind of just mumbling these lines off. And then in the chorus, he is pitch shifted, like, so ludicrously high that if you told me that there was not lyrics there, I'd believe you. Yeah. What was your what was your first reaction to hearing the, the chorus of this song? Do you remember? Um, you know that one gif that annoying people use that's a person, like, puking rainbows out, of the, out at their computer? <laughs> it's that yeah. one. Yeah. This this preceded, uh, I think this preceded Neon Cat. Uh, I th- it's either preceded or it's like the same year. Yeah, They're, they they got to be very close together. Yeah, it's like that same that same feeling. Like you're flying through space on a rainbow, and you're also a pop tart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this song has a really really uh really really cool instruments. Like the the reviewer notes that it's uh it sounds a lot like a surf rock tune in the way that the instruments are played. Um, yeah, I just really like the bass line on this one. It's like just like like a, a simple like wave synth. And like that's such a simple bass line, but it really really drives the track. Yeah, um, the the uh, the first two albums by the B fifty twos, they're self titled and Wild Planet. They didn't have a bassist. And so either um, the, their guitarist, uh, Keith, uh, uh, Ricky Wilson, was the guitarist at the time. Yeah. He he cut out the middle two strings of his six <laughs> his six string guitar and just used it like uh, as if he were playing a bass. That's um, very good. 
And so that's why you get, like, the riffs of, like, Rock Lobster and stuff like that, uh, which are just the really simple, you know, repeating, uh, like, single note uh, melodies. And then for other songs, they just had, uh, like, a synth just playing the same couple of notes, like, and yeah, that's how they that's how they did it. Well, yeah, because sometimes a bass is just a rhythm section and you make it work. Yeah, because yeah, there's very little like changing in those notes. It's very, very repetitive. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple of synth lines. I really like um, the synth lines that kind of sound like they're glitchy. Yeah, so, like every yeah, time yeah. you're pressing the note, it's basically like arpeggiating. Yeah, like uh, that. that's really like a thing that you mostly see with uh, with analog synths. It's just a, it, it makes a really, really cool sound that really works with the fact that it's called the crystal cat because it just it's like it sounds like crystals. Yeah. And I know wanna... that his uh, I know that his um, his his synth, his sampler has like a specific sample patch laid out for the crystal cat, because every time I see him, I'm like, is he going to play that? And then I look at the patch and it's like literally the next track on the patch list. And then he comes yeah. over and he switches over the samples. Do we want to talk about the B side for this song? Um, that's totally boner eat shit, isn't it? It is totally boner eat shit. It's a real classic in like the the pee pee poo poo style of Dan Deacon's song. It's yeah, called, it's he, just totally boner eat shit. He he had a couple before this. There was uh, all wet and no boner. <laughs> there was I'm so gay with the boner. Oh yeah, just the just that good South Park humor. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there was uh, shit slowly applied on cock parts. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah, those three were all those three were all art school products projects. Uh, I'm sure that he got real good grades at uh, SUNY Purchase for that. The uh, um, the lyrics yeah. totally boner eat shit. Stop it right now, everybody! Clean this mess up. Stop it right now, everybody! Down and dirty. Stop it right now, everybody! Clean this mess up. Stop it right now, everybody! Down and dirty. Totally boner oh, uh... eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. That's lyrics. Um, that's poetry right there. Yep. And I listened to that uh, single while I was still living with my parents on my dad's record player. Gotta love it. <laughs> what did your dad think of it? Um, <laughs> he, I think he was, he was kind of interested in it um, because, like, he was into, he was into kind of weird. Music yeah, to be for fair, your dad when is he was cool. my age. <laughs> yeah, like, like he's the one who got me into like, uh, like Devo and stuff like that. Yeah, but um, but yeah, there's not too much to say about totally boner eat shit. Um, we just, so, we'd be remiss if we weren't mentioning it. Yes, um, and so uh, before we move on to the next one, uh, I mentioned that I was going to talk about the uh, the the Bromps tour. <clears throat> yeah, um, he so for Bromps, it was a lot more of a uh, complicated, like fully through composed album. Um, and like, there, there's a really good making of uh, documentary that Pitchfork did about it. Um, I need to rewatch that. Yeah, because I remember, uh, I remember the one bit about uh, it was about it was about the tour and also the recording of the album, right? Um, I think it was just about the recording of the album. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then, um, yeah, I, I just remember the bit about the, uh, the putting the mics in the closets and then yeah. like recording it from the next room, and yeah. also just the player piano in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how his melody lines that were for the the MIDI player piano were too dense, and so he had to break them apart and uh, record them uh, over each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so because of the sound of this album, he's like, I can't just you know take the recordings of these songs on tour. I have to like make it more of a, a big show. Right. So he brought along, I think, some people who helped record on the album, uh, but a also them, a yeah. couple of other people. Um, like, uh, he brought along uh, Video Hippos, who were another Wham City band that I don't think exists anymore. Yeah, they and were then, just two drummers, uh, right? That was the whole band. Yeah, yeah, I think I always so. Just say, I always say the drummers from Video Hippos instead of just saying Video Hippos. Yeah. Because that is both he... of them. That's all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Those are both the and Hippos. Then, Hippos the, the other the other percussion that he brought along uh, was uh, so percussion. Yeah, and then there was like at least at least four or five other people, um, and so yeah, there was this ensemble tour, and they traveled the country on this tour in a vegetable oil powered school bus, which was painted purple. Wonderful. And I don't think it went over like fifty miles an hour. <laughs> Which is why they were late to the uh, the show, and uh, and Future Islands uh, opening set had to be cut. Oh no! Which is why I've still never seen Future Islands, even though I was supposed to. Man, I yeah. almost saw Future Islands in 2014, um, but unfortunately, the viral power of the David Letterman performance meant that uh, the line for them was around the block. Yeah, it was during yeah. a music festival, so it was basically first come to the show, first served. You weren't buying tickets or anything in advance. Yeah, and it was it was show, yeah, mad loaded. This show was at a uh, a bar in Minneapolis, which doesn't exist anymore, called the Triple Rock, which is where uh, Neil Ciceriga came to perform Potter Puppet Pals with uh, with Harry and the Potters. Oh hell yeah! A couple years later, um, <laughs> I saw that show in uh, in New York City. Nice, but yeah, the um, he still tours with a very similar bus, I think, doesn't he? I don't know. I haven't seen his tour bus. Actually, you know what? No, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of the show that I got the Spider-Man of the Ring CD signed on, and that yeah. would have probably been the same tour because that was that was 2010. He didn't, he didn't do uh, he didn't do the whole tour with the ensemble. I think he did a couple shows with just uh, just a few musician, musicians. I think he had less by the time I saw him. Yeah, he definitely had some drummers on the stage, but I don't think there was like 15 people up there. Yeah. The main disappointing thing um, I'll get to after we cover this next track. Wham City. song has lyrics that are my constant think of phrase they're just they're really good yeah this might be the best song on the album possibly ever made i've i've heard this from a lot of people and i can't say i fully disagree like it's just i know i've I've showed people this song being like this is like a beautiful piece of music and they've just said it's annoying and i understand that and it is it's like, there's like six people who sing the, uh, all the main lyrics in the song. There's a little, there's like a later bridge that's just Dan vocoded, but there's like yeah. a, I think it's just like six people he knows. 
Do you, do you want to go back and forth and see if we can uh, remember the words to this one off the dome? I mean, I do have them in front of me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, our, our friend our friend James got uh, a signed copy of the, of the lyrics at a show. Because yeah. he used to pass around... Uh, printed lyrics so that everyone in the in the show could sing along to this, this one. This is why I'm really disappointed I never saw him on the Spider-Man of the Rings tour because when I saw him on the Bronx tour, he only plays the first half of the song. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't get into the whole second part. Yeah, the whole second part, which is really good, but also it doesn't get into the part where all the instruments drop out and then it's just the chorus. Which, like, before I even knew what ASMR was, that's that was the main thing I could think of that is ASMR. Yeah, that was the drop that slapped your nuts clean into space. Yeah, like, my nuts have, have disappeared. They have been <laughs> obliterated. They've been turned into a fine powder. Yeah, they've been turned into, uh... Uh, they've been turned into some sort of like molecular nut gastronomy experiment. Yeah, <laughs> like it's 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 lightly sprinkled over people's dishes as like an obscure food item now. Yeah, and you have to pay a uh, hundred Canadian dollars for it. A hundred Canadian dollars just for the powder, powder of yeah. nut. <laughs> anyway, there is a mountain of snow up past the big glen. We have a castle enclosed. There is a fountain. Out of the fountain flows gold into a huge hand. That hand's held by a bear who had a sick band. Of ghosts. And cats. And pigs. And bats. With brooms. And bats. And wigs. <laughs> and rats. That play. Big dogs. Like queens. And kings. And everyone plays drums. And sings. But big sharks, sharp swords, bees, knees, bees, bees, knees, lords. bees lords. Sweet cakes, mace lakes. A-ma-ma-ma-ma-ma-ma-ma-ma-ma. Like, yeah, that, that's the whole song. That's almost. the whole song, almost. And so, yeah, most of the, I mean, the first, like, minute and, like, 40 seconds are just an extremely slow buildup with the do-do-do-do, yeah. um, just, like, a kind of, like, a, a droning synth, and then there's, like, a, like a marimba playing, a marimba yeah. synth, probably, although I think for the, the Bromps tour, they had someone actually playing bits of this and looping it. Yeah. Um, did you ever read that, that article I linked to about how this album was effectively Dan Deacon's big nihilist statement? Yeah, and how he doesn't really agree with that sentiment anymore. And that's maybe right. why he doesn't play the second half of Man City anymore. <laughs> that could be entirely the case, because yeah. the lyrics of part two, they're not, they're not really uh, in line with the rest of the tone of the album. Yeah, it's more or less, I hope that humanity dies out and nature reclaims everything. We don't have to say yeah. the whole thing, but that's what it says. Yeah. Our burden raised, the world set free. 
the earth returns to land and sea that one the i really really like the way his his vocoded vocals sound there um yeah because there's like uh it's like vocoded but it's also at that point like doubled up so it's like the earth and there's like there's like three of him and it, it kind of it goes on alternating syllables doing that kind of emphasis and it worked a lot better once i knew what the lyrics were it kind of just sounded cool when I could bear- slightly understand what he's saying, but having them, like, knowing them really, really works for it. Yeah, this was really before the the advent of lyrics sites that were crowdsourced. Yeah. So if the artist didn't provide you lyrics, you kind of just had to your, your, own, your own interpretation to go off of. Yeah, and, like, yeah, I mean, even, like, crowdsourced lyrics are wrong so often. And, and this whole thing is why... Uh, an album that came out, I think, a little bit before this, um, earlier the same year, I think, uh, Mirrored by Battles. Uh, it, it came out with no lyrics attached, and so the song Atlas, which was the lead single off of it, uh, everyone loved it. There, you know, it, it was a really big moment for the band, and but nobody knew anything about what the words were because they were so processed and pitch shifted. Yeah. And then, and then there's, posted and the then lyrics there's the on diamond. MySpace. Yeah, the diamond, did it. The diamond, did uh, and, and Battles posted the lyrics to Atlas on their MySpace and Pitchfork. I think at the time, uh, I, I have, I haven't been able to find this on on archive.org or anything, but I remember it. They they just linked. They they posted like a news article because it was newsworthy that there <laughs> you were heard the lyrics, lyrics to, to Atlas, Atlas. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always feel a very like. Animal Collective Strawberry Jam feeling about the lyric sheets to Battles Mirrored in that it's like, you say these are the lyrics, but it really doesn't sound like that. No. <laughs> these might have been what you went went in with, but it's definitely not what you came out with. Yeah. Gonna have to gonna have to cover that album in more detail pretty, oh, yeah, pretty for soon sure. here. Um and then yeah, after the after the large nihilist statement, the general like tone of the song comes back in, but with an extra synth doing the most annoying klaxon of all time. And I don't know how it ended up working its way into my head as something that's like, this feels really cool. Yeah. Because I feel like the first time I heard it, I was very annoyed. Because there's just a synth going and like it's doing that consistently. Yeah, just those two notes. It just yeah, it's just it's it's just shifting back and forth between them. I really need to learn more about like analog synths so I can use words other than beep boops about them. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I should just buy some synths. Yeah, we'll we'll like uh, we'll do another another synthy album and find uh, one of our friends who knows way more about synths than <laughs> who we knows do. what a synth is. Yeah, and yeah, we'll, so the we'll chorus get, repeats. We'll get the we'll get the nick of synths. Yeah, <laughs> the chorus repeats a couple of times and then all the instruments drop out. It's just the vocals, and they're saying the uh, there is a mountain of snow bit, and then yeah the oh ma 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 ma, and then the instruments coming back in, probably the single greatest moment in all of music. Could be like yeah. music as an entire artistic concept peaked in that moment. It was all leading up to it. It was I all leading like, up to that. It was a it was like... an eleven minute build to that. <laughs> yeah, um, I always felt like the the main lyrics of this. Uh, album were kind of like um, almost like a pastiche of the the feeling of working inside the community of Wham City. Yeah, uh, like it was meant to kind of evoke that same feeling. That makes sense. Yeah, like just wildly odd and creative. I just like the idea of a bear having a sick band. Yeah, well, clearly Dan Deacon is the bear, and 
he brought together all of his friends in Wham City to form a sick band. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Or, 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 worked. or, or Samuel T. Herring from Future Islands is the bear. I mean, you'll, you've seen him. He, he's jacked. He's fucking huge. Absolutely yeah. gigantic. He's a short, jacked man. Who, yeah, moves so much when he sings. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like he needs to hibernate at least a couple of months a year. Yeah. He just, he's used so much energy, he just, just eats and goes to sleep for a bit. Yeah. Big old naps. He, he eats his Samuel T. Herring. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's go on to Big Milk. This song is. is entirely built out of a looping... I think it's a glockenspiel. It sounds like a glockenspiel anyway. Yeah, this is one of those... Uh, this is another one of those, like, building, building crescendo tracks that eventually, like, all collapses towards the end. You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're, I think there's some synths and drums near the end of it. But yeah, like, the, the, the build of the track is all just uh, one, like, piece basically played on the glock. And then I think, um, I think he kind of does it round style. And, like, plays it again, but slightly offset, which is a thing that Dan Deacon loves to do. Oh, yeah. He loves he loves his syncopation. Yeah, and also just likes taking things and then layering them in an offset way that creates a wall of sound. Such as Carly Rae Jepsen Call Me Maybe 147 Times <laughs> Exponentially, which we'd be remiss not to mention somewhere in this review. Yep. Gonna, gonna have to... Uh... Gonna have to put in a, a short clip of that one into this episode. Put a clip of where it starts to loop, and then yeah. like fade, and then put a <laughs> clip of it near the end. Yeah, just, <laughs> I just have an idea of what that sounds like. Dan Deacon, I don't think you track. I don't think you used the word exponentially correctly, but nonetheless, you made a banger. He did. And also, um I remember I think it, it was still uh he, he still used MySpace at the time and he posted after this album came out, I think one of the first songs that came out from Bromst was Wet Wings. Yeah. And he posted that to MySpace, and I was wondering, like, okay, this is this is cool. Like, is this gonna be what the next album is like? It really wasn't. No, it was Wet just Wings that was song. Like, it was the song that came right after Snookered, right? Yeah. Because it's basically just the big milk of that album. Because Big Milk, like, Wham City, Wham City is a huge song. It's nearly 12 minutes long. It is extremely loud. It is basically a rectangle near most of its most of its length. Uh, and mm-hmm. Big Milk is just a really good cool down from that. Like, it's a very, very pretty track. And in, like, an album that is primarily made up of ugly synths, it's really nice to have a pretty track in the middle. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, just like it's it's just like a genuinely gorgeous piece of instrumental work. And it yeah, it really shows like, you know, Dan Deacon's not just this like super wacky guy. Like he's a classically trained musician. Yeah. And then he opens up his next song, Okie Dokie. 
I've yeah. got a rattlesnake gun. I've got a rattlesnake gun. I've got a rattlesnake gun. Okay, Ducky, let's dance. Th- this one's always uh, a big hit at the show. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of just like chirpy vocalizations, which if they have words, they are not present on this genius page. I yeah, I feel like there there used to be words there, like eighty revisions uh, of this uh, sound file ago. Yeah, but like I feel like there's still like he's still saying something, but it's just yeah. not relevant. No, and I don't. The think only it's, thing that's relevant I, it probably is never the same. And no. anytime he performs it, yeah, yeah, he's just like kind of just he he turns the pitch shifter on, he turns the vocoder on, and he just starts scatting into the microphone. Yeah, scat auto tune. That's a new genre. <laughs> yeah, until he has to get to the uh, the bridge and the chorus where he has to tell us in no uncertain terms that he has not only a rattlesnake gun. But also an Aerosmith gun. He does have an Aerosmith gun. Gotta fucking love it. Yeah, his Aerosmith gun, uh, I think, it is it, it shoots out copies of the music video for Walk This Way. It just it shoots out CD copies of Sweet Emotion, and when those when those things hit other albums, they turn into Aerosmith Sweet Emotion. Like the Tumblr page. Yeah. Um Link link in the description. Yeah. <laughs> There's um <laughs> This is one of, like, he's definitely just playing all his, like, glitchiest synth samples. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's basically what the the verses in, like, heavy air quotes sound like. And then he has, like, the, like, machine drum bass drum as, as, as he's saying that he has a rattlesnake gun. It's like... Yeah, it's really somebody going. would die if they tried to play that. Like, they would, te- they would just snap their Achilles tendon right off. Yeah. Not not even not even Zach Hill could do that. Yeah, no, it would be impossible. Huh. Not even with the not even with the double kick drum where you actually have two pedals. No. And uh, yeah, there's like a lot of. I think there's just like other samples in there. Like I swear, there's like bird noises in in those bits as well. Yeah, it's really hard to take it all apart. Yeah, he's definitely saying words there. I just don't know what they are. <laughs> I know if you doodly do like that. That's something he says that. Do a little dance and drink a little beeb. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just make up the lyrics. It's fine. Yeah. It, it's crowdsourcing. This it's is what Genius is built on. It's what it's for. We're, I mean, we are the geniuses here. Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of good lyrics to songs, uh, let's <laughs> move on to, uh, to Trippy Green Skull. Green skull, which is a centerpiece of his synth table. It's literally just a skull that lights up and is hooked up to at least one of the synths to flash in time with something that's playing. Yeah, um, it I has think, been stolen I back, twice. Uh, I think back at, in the in the Spider-Man of the Rings tour, it literally was just like a strobe light. Yeah, that that tracks as well. Yeah, I don't know if he has like a, a way to adjust the timing on it or something, but either way, it worked. Um, the yeah. show that I saw him at, it was stolen God. and went missing for several months until it showed up in his mail. Yeah, Dan Deacon's Trippy Green Skull is the Edvard Monk's The Scream of the <laughs> indie electronic world. Uh, as far as I know, it's been stolen twice now and has been returned yeah. both times. Well, good. But like, yeah, one of the, one of the thefts, same without it. One of the thefts like, was in Canada. 
It's like if you were to steal vanilla from Logan Whitehurst. Oh, vanilla! He lives! He does. We vanilla. saw vanilla recently. We saw vanilla recently. He, he's still he's still kicking. Our perfect plastic snowman. Reference for zero people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> so the song starts with uh, Dan saying something. <laughs> it's it's like boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, beep. And then he's like, And I'm out of condos, all the man up. You were just doing like strong bad voice doing that, so yeah, that's and that's then my and then strong, come ride. That's with my me. strong deacon impression. And then come ride with me. That's that that part's clear. Yeah, come ride with me. And then it gets, and then he just says that a couple times, and then e, and then It's like basically a note, a, a note sequence that would be played on a banjo if this were normal instruments. Yeah. And then we get the chorus from Ludacris's What's Your Fantasy? <laughs> yeah, pitch pit shifted through. up into chipmunk territory. Yeah, I think, the like, I, I never knew that that was there, like, before listening to the song or anything. Yeah. I think it took me a couple of listens to notice it. Because, like, I, I, I grew up listening to a lot of Ludacris, yeah. in, in that song in particular. And when I noticed it, I blew my goddamn mind. <laughs> I had never actually heard the Ludacris song before this, but I had heard Travis Morrison's uh, cover of it. Oh, God. The the, the lead <laughs> singer of uh, The Dismemberment Plan. <laughs> Which under four rated album is that from? <laughs> the thing about Travis Morrison is that did, we could cover uh, almost any of his albums on this podcast because they either have best new music or they have a rating under two. Yeah. God. But yeah, I think I think he just like posted it to his blog or something back in the day. Okay, it's just him and an acoustic guitar. Uh yeah. Remember when the, the remember acoustic white guy guitar covers of rap songs? Oh, you're talking about you're talking some Ben Folds Five at me. I'm talking some like fucking Pumplemousse at you. <laughs> it's my my favorite Lacroix flavor. <laughs> it's from my favorite co-owner of Patreon. <laughs> Never forget. We we all have a favorite co-owner of Patreon on Tuning Fork. <laughs> and yeah, so he just verbatim says the lyrics of What's Your Fantasy to the same tune. Uh-huh. Actually, sure no, he... to a different tune, to the same cadence. Yeah. Like, it's the same, it's the same, like, uh, the same rhythm as the original track. Do you think he needed to get permission to use that? Absolutely not. <laughs> One, I don't think he needed it, and two, I don't think he would have gotten it if he did. Yeah. And Actually, I, you know like what? Even... I don't know if Ludacris would have a fu- would, would think it's funny and, and and do it. I just I just don't think he would have gone through the effort to get that to get it, even if it was required. Probably not. He's like he, he like he's, he's from the art uh, weirdo scene. Copyright is fake. Yeah, no, and like it's not like with this scale of a release, Ludacris would actually care. Yeah, I just want I want Dan Deacon to be performing Trippy Green Skull, and I want Ludacris to just burst out onto the stage. And just start like just doing his bit over top of the song. That would that would that would, that would ruin my brain, but I'd be okay with it. Especially if they got Shauna out for it, because I don't think she's made anything in years. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it time to uh, to make some snake mistakes? Is a 
make these snake mistakes. I make these phony ropes. I make these snake mistakes. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, this is about Rope Snake from Mother 3. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. He's asking why the bees won't leave him alone. Do you think this song is about uh, is about pushing rope? Mm. <laughs> mm. I hope not. These these bees get me and I say ow. <laughs> I really like the um, the the drum beat that forms the the bees lines. It's like yeah. kind of like it's like a kind of like an alternating drum and bass. The don 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 Yeah, do clap 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 clap. It's really well made. I I'm like I'm really glad that you put clips in this podcast, so I don't have yeah. to sound like a lunatic when I say this. <laughs> yeah. Like, if this was uh, if this was fun points, we'd be a little bit more confusing, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we um, eventually it comes into a part where he has some heavily vocoded vocals saying, My dad is so cool. He is the coolest dad in dad school. He does not break any dad rules. He would pick you up if I asked him to. Do you think this was, like, the beginning of... Uh... The, the brief indie obsession with the idea of dads. <laughs> I mean, there was a big moment of electronics music's obsession with dads. There was. And my father said, don't you worry, don't you worry, child. I hate that song. <laughs> yep. But can I say it, the whole chorus of it verbatim? Yes. <laughs> I really like uh, the, the synth here that's like, and then there's like bird chirping noises on the high notes. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really good build. And then we have, of course, the, uh, the omnipresent kick drum synth that's just do, 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 do. And it really, really, um, this part just makes me feel happy. Like, uh, listening to this album in general, like, put me into a manic state. Uh, and that manic state allowed me to clean my whole apartment. So, I and, think that this song Dan is Deacon like, to thank for that. I do. And, um, I think this song in particular really, really brings that out. Yeah. It just feels like nature. I think it's the bird synth, the, the bird synth noise, which I'm pretty sure is like one of like the default synths on the, uh, on like any like sound effect part of a keyboard. Yeah. I there's think so. always, there's always a bird tweet one. And there's usually I'm, like yeah, three I'm notes sure my of Casio bird has that. <laughs> so yeah, I was even saying like it's a bird sample. Like, no, that's just like a default keyboard thing. They just have birds on those. They you know, do. they got birds on these keys? Th- these, we got keys and we got birds? fucked up if you talk if you think about it <laughs> um this uh this was another one that really just got people going at at his shows um like i feel like the trifecta uh, of like late of like late set songs was okie dokie trippy green skull and snake mistakes yeah like the, the, they're the ones that he plays most frequently from this album right on like newer tours yeah like i'm pretty sure the crystal cat sometimes happens yeah. still it's usually near the end yeah. that it comes up. But yeah, another thing I really like about the song is the uh, the the bass synth where it's like boom 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 buka buka boom boom. And yeah, like that feels, one kind it of It feels repeats. like you're it feels like you're kind of uh like you're you're feeling dizzy throughout you're the song. You're getting wiggled. You are getting wiggled. This and is a wiggle uh, song. Yeah, like I it's just a really really cool way to to make a bass line. <laughs> like it's so um it's so fluid. Whereas a lot of the bass lines yeah. that he makes on this album are more, like, repetitive. Hi, we're the Wiggles, and welcome to our Wiggly website. Basically. That's what he's saying with that bass line. Yep. Um, the, uh, th- there was a, a Tiny Desk concert um, around the time that Dan's m- currently, as of 2019, most recent non-soundtrack album came out, uh, Gliss Riffer. Um, 
and seeing uh, him do like his normal show thing of like getting everyone to do uh, like interpretive dance yeah. uh, and dance competitions in the NPR in office. The tiny NPR office. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. I got to watch that after this. Yeah, including uh, the editor of uh, All Songs Considered, Bob Boylan, got Perfect. up to uh, to lead the group at one point. It's, it's very good. Yeah, it, it just shows how good he is at at getting crowds together when they will when they really would rather just be boring people. Yeah, he's really good at making the eggheads dance. Yeah. Uh, the next track is Pink Batman. I like Pink Batman. Like, this is just... It's its another one of his... I'm gonna take a sample, loop it, syncopate it slightly, and then build. Yeah. It's, uh... I feel like it's a, its a like, acoustic guitar synth. Yeah, acoustic guitar part. synth, and it's... It's either acoustic, acoustic guitar synth, or it's, like, an acoustic guitar sample pitched up. But knowing him, it's probably a synth line. Just, yeah. like, written in, like, inhumanly fast notes. Yeah. And yeah, no, the way that it the way that it syncopates near the end of the of the loop is really, really nice. And then eventually he starts building in some uh some synths in the background to uh how many times have I said synths on this episode? Synths, 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 synths. Synths. It's not even a real word anymore. No. But yeah, this is another one with just a really, really good build on it. Yeah. And also just another really pretty track. This song was in a couple of commercials. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Was, was it, it a Crayola it was like commercial? A, yeah, it was a Crayola and I think commercial. I've heard, I think I've heard it more recently in other commercials. Yeah, like if I you're going to sample, right. if you're going to sample a Dan Deacon song in a commercial, something with like a really uplifting kind of sweeping tone to it's the one you got to use. Yeah, you, you're not going to use. Uh, you're not going to use totally boner eat shit in a Crayola use, commercial. You're not going to use <laughs> shit slowly applied to cock parts in your Crayola commercial. <laughs> um, yeah. They, he also has, like, a kind of a droning synth throughout, like, the later half of this song. Like, the sample is still continuing, but it kind of moves to the back of the mix. And then there's, like, a kind of, like, a... Yeah, I was a fan of that. And, yeah, no, it's a really, really pretty sound. Much prettier than the... It makes it feel a little bit more, uh, like, organic and maybe less artificial. Yeah, um, and, like, the only way I could describe, like, the actual melody of it is wistful. Yeah, I agree that's kind of that. how the whole track feels. Yeah, and that's also true of the ne- of the of the closing track of the album as well. I think it's it's very yeah. similar in that way. Yeah, the, this one and uh, this one and Woody Woodpecker, Woody Woodpecker, and Woody Big Milk Woodpecker. And, and the next track, Jimmy Joe Roche, all kind of fit together in that in that kind of mold. Yeah, they're all of a piece, which is like also true of like Snake Mistakes, Okie Dokie, and uh, Trippy Green Skull are all of a piece. Yeah, 
Like, uh, the, the sequencing on the album seems very deliberate to kind of break them all apart. Yeah. Jimmy Joe Roche was, uh, or is, I should say, a, uh, a film director uh, and part of the Wham City Collective. He directed uh, the film Ultimate Reality, which uh, Dan did the soundtrack for. Ultimate Reality, entirely, which I own on DVD. <laughs> yeah. It's entirely, uh, it's it's almost like an everything is terrible film, uh, It's but it's entirely made of bits and pieces cut out of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, like primarily Conan the Barbarian, as far as I know. Yeah, and there's a bit of Total Recall in there yeah. as well. Um, I feel like the only reason that everything is terrible and uh, Wham City have not like hugely collaborated is that they're both just incredibly regional scenes to their respective cities. Of uh, yeah. of Chicago and Baltimore, yeah, because like for sure, if they had come up in uh, like even like five ten years after they started doing what they do, they would have been like creating content, their primary drive in the digital age, and I feel like that's just like a no brainer collaboration. But yeah. they, they're for those so, who they're... Uh, for those who don't know about everything is terrible, they're a, a collective which is entirely focused on like bad television clips and old VHS tapes uh from like the the 80s and early 90s yeah. um they they have an ongoing project to collect as many copies of Jerry Maguire on VHS as possible I mean they they basically they created a pyramid of Jerry Maguire VHSs it's very good uh, and yeah. they also send, do several send them your Jerry's Yeah they also do several films which are just yes. like they're they're functionally just found art projects, which is what all their uh-huh. web videos are like too. Do you remember when we did the uh, the like stream party of Doggy Woggy's Poochie Woochies? I'll never forget the stream party of Doggy <laughs> Woggy's Poochie Woochies, especially when we ended up doing oh, it again God. like a week later because everyone wanted to watch it again. <laughs> it was so good. It's was, a recreation that was, of uh, that was just in our Tumblr circle, right? Yeah. It's a yeah. recreation of the film The Holy Mountain, but with all clips from movies about dogs. Yes. It is truly one of the greatest artistic creations of our time. And I also dogs own it on DVD. Dogs. I think my collection of DVDs is like is 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 very good. Like I have Food Fight, I have Doggy Woggy's Poochie Woochies, I have Ultimate Reality, and I have like Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> Do you need other movies? I don't think so. I don't so. think so. You've got Tom Green in there, and that's the important part. Exactly. Um Honestly, I don't recall Jimmy Joe Roche having lyrics, but there are lyrics on the Genius page. Are there? I don't recall any of these being in the song. Because the, the, the primary drive of Jimmy Joe Roche is uh, a synth uh, synth uh, loop that goes... And that is basically that for like six minutes. Yeah, just and continuously like layered on top of itself and uh, like a couple of arpeggios added to it. Yeah. And uh, he also just starts distorting it near the end. Yeah, this is this is a lot more similar to uh, to, to like his earlier work, mm-hmm. um, like the stuff around uh, like Twacky Cats, um, like uh, the song like Connor Keezer with with bead jewelry is kind of a similar idea to this. Yeah, and it's just like it seems like this was like the main creative thrust that he worked with was having a really good loop to work with. Yeah. And I think it works really well as a closing track. Although I think Pink Batman is actually probably the the stronger closer. Um yeah. they work they work together well as a piece. They're both kind of long. Yeah, um, for sure. You you could fu- you could functionally almost consider them one track. They're very different from each other, but like they flow into each other well enough that they close the album very well. Yeah. Like I said on for on further albums he kind of 
uh, he, he kind of got into the habit of composing an entire song all the way through instead of uh, like basing it around a loop and just continuously mm-hmm. building on the one idea. As much as as good as he is at that, it did make for stronger songwriting. It did. Like there, there's there's definitely bangers here, but but uh, yeah, Brahms for sure. Like. It's it's where the songwriting chops really show through. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we we briefly considered doing Bromps for our first Dan Deacon one because it is like his his more critically acclaimed album, his better selling album, and like generally the album that people will point to as being his magnum opus. But um, yeah, but this was like his breakout moment. This was his breakout moment. It came out when I was sixteen, which is a very pivotal time for people's music taste. Yep. Um and. It's the first one I heard, so... It's, it got uh, him into the Joe Mandy curated pages of Look at This Fucking Hipster. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Along with uh, the guy who showed up to all of his shows and everybody hated, Beans! Uh, Beans. Anyway, I forgot Look at This Fuck- Fucking Hipster involved Joe Mandy. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah, he, he wrote television. The, he wrote the blog and wrote the book. And now he works at TV. Yep. Look at this fucking love connection. <laughs> you know... Yeah. I would not turn down a Joe Mandy guest spot on this show. Oh my god, I would love that. Uh, yeah, Joe I'm Mandy, sure. get at us. We'll, we'll put him on the we'll put him on the dream guests list. Yeah, we have a couple of those. If anyone knows how to get in contact with Carles, who run Hipster Runoff, please tell us. Yeah, let us know. We want him on the show. We won't even talk about an album. <laughs> Although, if we did, it would probably be Neon Indian. Yeah, given he Neon literally Indian. invented the term trill wave. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. can't forget that. There's one thing you've got to know. The precursor, the, the precursor to the now ever popular synth wave, which yeah, I feel and that's has everything. That's all synth just, music now. Yeah, it's just synth wave has continued to just be a thing. Like for the last like ten years, I feel like synth. Wave yeah, has it's like it's had, more or less dominated electronic music. Yeah, just other than like the brief increasing moment. Yeah, but yeah, that's Com- that's Spider Man of the Rings. It is. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really odd album and mm-hmm. one that I don't think Pitchfork will ever do anything like this ever again. Yeah, and I really, really, um, I I like the reviewers just like uh, real strong focus on the collaboration and community aspect of the album. Yeah, because that's something that's really important to just the very core of the album. Uh, they would go on to write the review of America, uh, America the album, not the country. Yes, um, which um, garnered like. S- Less praise. It was like a low seven, I think. Yeah. So America... not something that we can cover on this podcast. Yeah, it got a seven point one. Nailed it. Um, but yeah, they still seem to like it. It's just like I feel like the abrasiveness of this album is half the appeal, and Brahms oh, doesn't yeah. really doesn't really let off the gas for that, but America very much does. Yeah, like there's there's the uh, there's the moments of abrasiveness in America, like. Um, the opening of Guilford Avenue Bridge yeah. and uh, uh, Crash Jam. Mm-hmm. But it's not the majority of the album. Yeah, no. Tr- Truth Rush is still an all-time slapper. It's so pretty, too. And also one of the best music videos of all time. Yes. Go watch the video for Truth Rush. I won't spoil it, but it involves a, a very good uh, video experiment being done. Yeah, it's just the most fun game of telephone of all time. Yes. And it features uh, and it features several Wham City familiar faces. If you know, uh, if you know what they if look you like, know any of the people, yeah, yeah. Dan Deacon's always been pretty good at music videos. Like he has yes. one, uh, he has one for a new song, 
uh, that he has a parna nancherla just decaying into the dirt. Yeah, being, very good. Being, being eaten a, by bugs. A living, a living corpse being eaten by bugs, which is very impressive. Yeah, so I'd recommend that as well. And while we're recommending stuff, we didn't bring this up organically in conversation, but please watch the Ohio Morning Show performance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not sure. bring this up, but uh, who is, who, where was that? It was on, like, NBC or something? Yeah, it was some local NBC affiliate. And it was, like, the... I think it like, was, I think it was in Baltimore. Ohio, NBC, it's just, it's, yeah, it just says NBC Morning. As, oh, it, it was in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, okay. That's very. So you might good. have been there, like for a for like a small show or something. Yeah, and I think it was like one of the producers or something was a fan, and I just like, it's very good that all the video, all the versions of this that are up include like the news reel around it, because you yeah. have like the newscaster like barely able to hold it together while like throwing to the <laughs> commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it's probably it was this was like arguably his like official breakout moment. Because this video yeah. went, like, very 2006 viral. Yeah. Because, like, it was, it, it was, it was right making rounds that. before YouTube existed. Because mm-hmm, I think the, 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 the EP with Ohio came out in, like, 04. Yeah. The, the video of it with the... It only has about a million views, but for 2006, that was quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I think some of those are obviously more recent because this video was posted in 2006. But nonetheless, like, it, it made rounds. Yeah. Dan, Dan Deacon, official meme. It's great. He's having a lot of fun, clearly. Yeah, and he's only, like, half-balding in it. Yeah, he still has some hair. <laughs> let's see, in 2004, he would have been, let's see, 23? Oh, wow. And he was, he was, already, he was already that bald. Some people just bald. They, they do. Couldn't be me. Is the thing. No, no. We, we, the two of us will have, will have full, lustrous hair for, forever. forever. Um, yeah, so... Pitchfork in general, I wouldn't see reviewing anything that even sounds like this favorably. Like, I think the closest thing you can think of would be, like, PC music. And yeah. I think Dan Deacon is definitely of a lineage that includes PC music, that, that now includes PC music. Like, I feel like their stuff is at least slightly indebted to him. Yeah, I don't know if like, they would, I, I, like, I don't know if that's something that would have been in their upbringing, but it's just, like, it's that or it's, like, a very, very incredible case of convergent evolution. Yeah, like the song uh, that came out, I think like four or five years ago. Uh, hey, cutie. Yeah, that's two, that was twenty thirteen. So, <laughs> yeah, close. so pretty close. Yeah, so that that was. Uh, it seemed like something that that Dan could have had a hand in writing. Yeah, absolutely, and like um, the way that the the synths <sighs> move in the song "Bit" by Sophie, which was like a mm-hmm. brief blog hit around the same year. Um, yeah. I could see him making that straight up. The, the vocals would sound uh, less pretty, but... And now he's producing uh, the new album by Ed Schrader's Music Beat. Hell yes! Another one of his Wham City comrades. It's very excited to see that come out. Yeah. This is uh, this will be the second album that he's produced for them. Uh, Riddles was a very, very good album as well. Go listen to that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like I, I as I said, like I, it just doesn't seem like this is in the Pitchfork wheelhouse anymore. It almost, like, there's... Does it hold up? kind of thoughts and it's like i think this holds up better than anyone there could ever have imagined it does but i also think that it's for a very particular audience like dan deacon is not someone i try to show people unless i really know what they're into (laughs) yeah for sure i i pitched wham city the song to a lot of people who really didn't like it and i feel like that is a similar experience that would be had with most 
things that he's put out, given that is actually one of his more tame songs. Yeah. For, yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to briefly bring up that um, I've seen Dan Deacon, I think, now five at five shows. And he always has, like, extremely good opening acts. Like, he, he obviously knows what the people who are coming to see him will be into. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then sometimes he brings a couple of, uh, Including a couple of, like, comedy acts. Um, like, he brought along, uh, like, Ben O'Brien as his, uh, like, self-help guru character yeah. Earth Universe once. And then also... Uh, I went to a show that had Alan Resnick doing his live live forever as you are now routine. Yeah, he was doing that on the uh, whole America tour. Yeah, before it was uh before it was the Adult Swim special. The live version, I like I really like the Adult Swim special and it's grown on me over the years, but seeing it after seeing just the absolute manic frenetic energy of the live performance, it really just kind of bummed me out. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz he is like shrieking throughout most of the performance. <laughs> And he's like he's playing more of a straight man character. Yeah. In the uh, in the video version, which I think was yeah. like a choice just more for the medium than anything else. If you're not responding to audience <laughs> laughter, then it's, it's harder to make that work. The the whole bit about about finding the cute rock and bringing it into the uncanny valley yeah. was the like the best thing that I had seen that whole like year. The part that particularly worked better live is when he's uh, coming into your house to ask you questions. Yeah. Um, I'm, I think he improvised those every single show. Yeah. And one of the ones he did at mine was, how big is your little dick? Said exactly <laughs> like that. And I almost threw up. <laughs> I love my wife. She is nice. She is nice. You know, sometimes people are satisfied with having, you know, just a really nice wife. But mine's very pretty, too. It's nice to have the whole package. And there and there was a child in the special named after Chester Guazda. Yeah. Was Chester Guazda one of the people who played on the album? Uh cuz I know he opened on that probably. on the same tour. Yeah. So he's yeah. around. I think I still have I th- I think I still have uh his his cassette tape that he was selling on that tour. Yeah, he makes good tunes. Yeah. He did a Future Islands cover on that tour as well, mm-hmm. which was very Yeah, he pr- he produced uh their album i think he produced both of the albums before singles yeah uh he produced uh in 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 evening air in evening air and on the water yeah anyway we're talking about everything that isn't dan deacon right now but it's just like (laughs) this is what's going to happen if we ever cover an elephant six album oh yeah like Like, it's just (laughs) we're getting no way to talk about one elephant six band without talking about all of them without talking about every single other one yeah it's just we're really interested in the scene it's really cool stuff it's really good art and we support it. Yes. What we're trying to say More, is the album's good, folks. Yeah. Get together with your friends and make weird shit is what we're saying. Hell yeah, baby. That's that's kind of why Noise Space exists. Yeah, more or less. That and I just, you know, had a server. Yeah. I, I appreciate your server space. Hell yeah. Well, um, we, we, only did this, we only ever did this once, but do you want to steal Slap City again? Um, if you have something in mind, but... Really, the only reason I brought it up is because I had something in mind that time, and I really don't this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've been... I, I just saw... Um, I just saw Low in concert a couple days ago. Um, they're, a, they're an indie band that started in the early 90s in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, fly high, Duluth. Um, <laughs> but they, they played the 20th anniversary show for their, for their EP Christmas 
which was like a gift that they made to their fans uh, back in 1999, um, which is all Christmas songs, and a couple of them are originals. And the the song uh, "Long Way Around the Sea." We follow the star, hair and said, "Bring me word." Which is about um, the the three wise men uh, making their way to to Jesus secretly, un, un, without the knowledge of King Herod. is is uh, is my slapper of the of the episode. Yeah, my brain doesn't work. I can't think of songs, so I think I'll, <laughs> I'll right. let you I'll let you hold this one down. Cool. But yeah, that's that's podcast. I guess we close it out. Yeah. So. Uh, I need to remember how to close this show because it's been a couple months. Right. Um, so thank you to Animal Style for the use of our theme song, Open Air, from the album Open Air. Uh, and thank you to Nikki Flowers for making our cover art. You can check out Nikki Flowers on the podcast, Picking Up Something Good, also on the Noise Space Network, where Nikki, who has never listened to Radiohead, is walked through the experience by a veteran fan who has also been a guest on this podcast, Mace. Yes. Mace of Animal Collective episode, two-hour episode fame. God. That really was a long one, huh? Yeah. We, we were relatively short on this one. We only went slightly over the album length. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's good progress. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Tuning Fork. It's Tuning Fork Cast, right? Yes, at Tuning Fork Cast. Yeah, I sound really sure of myself there. And uh, if we have other social media, I sure don't use it. Yeah, you can follow just me on Twitter at, at Dave's with three V's. Uh, Appa Landlord style. You could find me on Twitter at <laughs> Matt GCN. Yeah, I already made a Hannibal Burris joke on this podcast. So The thing is, is we can't bring up waves without Landlord jokes, so... Thus, we yeah. have to bring up Hannibal Burris every episode. Now we do, yeah. All right, so until next time, I had never seen a shooting star before. I still have yet to see a shooting star. We'll just have to go ask Brent DiCrescenzo about that. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll elucidate, elucidate us to that experience. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.